this computer. Hi, this is uh, Robert Yoho, um, and uh, I have Christian Elliott here. It is March 14th, 2022, and Christian wrote a blog that went viral. And what was it? 18 uh, reasons I'm not going to take the shot. Was that it? Yeah, it's called 18 reasons I won't be getting a COVID vaccine. Okay, very nice. How many views do you think that had? Oh, just on my side, it had over 5 million. It's, uh, it's been shared by Children's Health Defense and America's Frontline Doctors and a lot of other people that just pushed it out. And I have no, it's been translated in multiple languages and everything. So I have no idea how far it actually reached. And what was that? That's phenomenal. And what was the date of that thing? That was back in April of 2021. How did you get so, how do you get the thing figured out so early? Well, I've been following, I've been in the health realm full-time basically since 2003, either studying it or turning it into a profession. And so I, back when I had, I tried to get my health back. And so in the process of doing that, you eventually wear out the medical system's ability to help and you start looking for other answers. And as I did that, as I was able to reclaim my health, you probably naturally develop a very distrusting attitude toward pharma because you understand the game is rigged and they're not actually trying to build your health. They're just managing symptoms and trying to keep you medicated. And so since I was distrusting a pharma, I went, I, you know, I've, I've been abreast of the vaccine realm for many years. My, my oldest daughter's four, 15 now. And so before she was born, we had, you know, we were going to have to make a decision on this kind of thing. And so it was on me to study it and to make an informed choice. And the more I looked into it, the more I became skeptical of vaccines in general, just knowing how the sausage is made, so to speak. And because I saw that when I, when COVID came around, I was like, okay, this smells really funny. There were too many things that didn't make sense. Censorship being one of them. And so I just, you know, I, part of my work is to shepherd people on their health journey. And in the process of doing that, I had to understand this topic to give them a sound opinion. And so a lot of people were just asking me for my thoughts on the shot. And it was writing that blog was kind of a place to get all the thoughts organized in one place. So I didn't have to keep answering the same questions. And I had to muster up some courage to hit publish because uh, I was braced for some blowback, but uh, turned out it worked out pretty well for me and um, helped, seems to have helped a lot of people. Christian, my hat is off because I, although I was studying medical corruption for four years, I didn't really start to study COVID until the last six months. And I didn't mm -hmm. fully understand a lot of the stuff that you had in that uh, post until, uh, until about that time. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it, it is amazing that you figured out and so many people were um, chewed up uh, by the standard narrative and never, mm -hmm. yeah. And right now, finally, some people are reading the Pfizer data that, mm -hmm. that was released and some very prominent physicians are, understanding what what went on and and they denied it they denied all the evidence before that and so um so today we're going to talk about your other blog which is even more complex and that's entitled what's really keeping covid going and how we stop it and i've been looking at this essay that you wrote and studying it for uh, uh, a month and uh, and i'd like to um, just uh, strike at it superficially and and uh, see if we can, see if we can get uh, the audience to to read it and uh, understand uh, who you are and and so on. So at the beginning, you put a quote by Henry David Thoreau: "There are a thousand hacking at the branches of evil to one is who is striking at the root." And so what we have now 
a lot of people understand what's going on now or have some idea what's going on. We have overwhelming harms of the vax coming out of several countries. The United Kingdom is, is the most uh, easy to find. We have the huge VAERS database and we have comprehensive military whistleblowers uh, producing their database. And this information proved to me that I don't, that the vaccine should never be used ever. Pfizer has been for, forced by court order to release their documents and they've managed, we managed to get two and a half percent of them. And some very prominent physicians, including Dr. John Campbell, who wasn't sure, who basically was a vax promoter, uh, now has become outraged and is going public about it. We've got this increased mortality of about 40%, the millennials 84%. And this is a dramatic increase in deaths that occurred during the exact time that the vaccine was foisted on us. It's irrefutable data from insurance company and other sources. And we also have information that the shot is actually perpetrating the pandemic. It's basically a pand pandemic of the vaccinated now in the countries that are, are still going wild with the vaccinations. Mm -hmm. um, so, so no, basically uh, it, it's, it's hard to believe, but a lot of people still don't understand any of this. And uh, we're all kind of in a trance. Um, the question is that you tried to answer is, what can we do to stop it? And you just gave me some very encouraging news that there are some court cases going forward that have some hope of taking down uh, a lot of these problems. So, uh, so let's see. Uh, let me see if I can um, quote, uh, read this quote that's at the beginning of your uh, article, and maybe that's the best place to start. And it's a quote from finance, strangely enough. And so just listen to this for a second, and then we'll have you react and explain the origins of that. Okay. Capital must protect itself in every possible way, both by combination and legislation. Debts must be collected, mortgages foreclosed as ra rapidly as possible. When through process of law, the common people lose their homes, they will become docile and more easily governed through the strong arm of the government applied through the central power of wealth under leading financiers. These truths are well known about our, among our principal men who are now engaged in forming an imperialism to govern the world. By dividing the voters through the political party system, we can get them to expend their energies in fighting for questions of no importance. It is thus by discreet action we can ensure for ourselves <clears throat> that which has been so well planned and so successfully accomplished. So I think the easiest thing for the purpose of our nar narrative is to reveal who uh, wrote that and when they wrote it and the, the context and how it applies to today. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think just to back up a second, I think in light of all of the data, verifiable, disgusting news about these so-called vaccines that we can now look at and say we should never have released these, what it forces on us is either denial and burying our head in the sand or it forces a set of uncomfortable questions such as how in the world could this be going on? And why is it that the people we have come to trust seem to be intentionally doing things to harm us? Those are not fun questions to wrestle with, but if you can, if you, so that's really what led to this writing this article was trying to figure out, okay, it doesn't matter how many ways we disprove this, the narrative keeps going. So there has to be something else that makes sense of what we continue to see. And what that led me to was to continue to, is to study, follow the money, follow the patents, follow who is it that would be doing this? What would be their motivations? And then I came across that quote that you just read and it started bringing to light 
the, the way that people who have the insatiable desire for money and power think they have this desire to control everything. And the quote you read was actually said in 1924, which sounds like it could have been read or said yesterday. It's, it's exactly the plan that we are seeing. But what it is, is it's, there's a people who understand how the monetary system works and how it can be used to shape a culture, to shape an agenda, to steal via theft and inflation the, the wealth of the people and to shoehorn them into one option. And so when you understand what this is driving at or how long this type of scenario has been going on, you can start to read the news with a much more discerning mind to know, oh, this is what we're up against. Now the Rubik's Cube starting to come into in its final click. Like we're understanding what the agenda actually is and knowing that this is essentially on some level the timeless battle between good and evil. And the sooner we can accept that and not try to sweep it under the rug and just say it's corruption and a few bad actors. No, this is this is disgusting evil and people who are willing to harm and maim and kill for their view of what the world should look like. And after the wave of you know heartbreak sweeps over you that that's what we're up against, you can at least shake it off and start to deal with it. So that's really what the rest of the article was trying to help us understand. So... Um... To get that, you recommend that I read A History of Central Banking and the Enslavement of Mankind by Stephen Mitford Goodson, which you can mm-hmm. find on Amazon. But so you can't find on Amazon, actually. Oh, it's Amazon, censored off Amazon. You're Amazon right. Amazon won't sell it to you. Yeah, it's yeah. censored. And it's not, Amazon doesn't censor too much, but they're big tech like all those other ones. So um, tell us if you want to explore what you learned from that book and how this applies to what's going on now and these organizations which are running the world uh, financials. Yeah, what was helpful for me in in trying to peel back the layers and follow the money or understand who would be puppeteering this COVID agenda was coming across that book in particular really started helping me understand history in a way that I had not before. And when you understand that central banking is a model of a monetary system that has been used off and on again throughout history before Jesus was around. It was the system of centralizing power, of having one centralized authority in control of an economic system or a currency. And through the control of that, they can then start wars and they can work to meet their own ends. They can create, they can use the usury or debt as a method of keeping people under their thumb. They can use inflation And it's, think of it like if I'm a king and I want to invade or I want to defend my country and I've run out of money, I can't tax the people anymore. One thing I can do is borrow from rich people. And if you do that, rich people always want favors. They want to be close to the seat of power. And what people with a lot of money realize is they do have a lot of power. And so central banking is more or less the system of borrowing money from rich families, people who want to become oligarchs, essentially, who use their wealth to then influence the government. And the, the, the ugly historical reality of central banking is by using inflation, by using the ability to just make up money out of nothing, to debase a currency, by printing as much money as they want, every single time a central banking model has ever been used in history, it has always collapsed. And we are in the most epic grand version of central banking that has ever existed in the course of humanity. It's the entire globe that is bought into this system. And because of that, we are looking at a a system that the only way it can survive is to attempt to reset the game 
and to keep control and to shoehorn us all into what I think their ultimate goal is a central bank digital currency to take and intentionally wreck the currencies around the globe so that they can then get us into the next version and they can stay in power. It's a wild scene. It is. Um, so describe these, uh, you know, I didn't understand these, uh, uh, the central bank or the other global organizations that essentially mm -hmm. uh, chase the currency around the globe. So describe mm -hmm. those for me and for the listeners. Yeah, so there's a few key plot points. One is the establishment of what's called the Federal Reserve, commonly referred to as the Fed. That was actually the United States' third version of a central banking system. It had been shut down two previous times. And what was happening around the early 1900s, 1910s, early teens, was that the, the big banks were losing their control. They were, it was, there was so much more competition, and the free market was actually spreading out the wealth, and they didn't like that. So the Federal Reserve was formed as a way to essentially control the economy, to make the leading financiers be back in control, to use inflation and debt in order to rule the world. And so fast forward through World War I, World War II, and after World War II, we had an event called Breton, or a, an event in Bretton Woods, New Hampshire, where the, the financiers, actually 1944, before the war was even over, they get together and they're working to come up with a new model that will now run the, ec the economy of the globe. And what, what beasts they created then, on top of the Federal Reserve, was the Bank for International Settlements, the World Bank, and the International Monetary Fund. And those three organizations, essentially, they rule by discrete action. They don't take minutes. Nobody knows what goes on. They're beholden to no one. They are literally their own countries with their own police forces. No one can actually publicly display what's going on in those institutions, but they and have- they're privately owned. They're, they're privately private. owned. Yes, they're private families. And who owns owned. them? Yeah. So it's it's there's a collection of companies or families. So Rothschilds is a is a major player. They're one of the biggest ones. Um, you've got Rockefellers, you've got Carnegies, you've got American Express, J.P. Morgan Chase. You've got diff, uh, Bank of America. You've got different banks that are woven into the fabric of them, and they've become quote unquote too big to fail. So that's a whole separate rabbit trail if, if we want to go into bailouts and how that's another form of theft on the economy, but. The point of the, the Bank for International Settlements, the International Monetary Fund, the World Bank, and to some degree, the Council for Foreign Relations, they've built this organizational structure where they can then control the money. And, and what happened after World War II is important to know that the US, the United States became, instead of gold being the currency that we all keep in our vaults and use to back up our transactions, the United States currency became the world's reserve currency, which gave the United States basically the ability to counterfeit their money as much as we want and to print it and send it to other countries and they had to honor it. So it's, it's a heavy hand. I hate to say it because I'm from this country. I love this country, but we have done evil things with the monetary system where we've allowed them to happen on our watch. And those three organizations, Bank for International Settlements, International Monetary Fund and World Bank, they have decided which countries get loans, which countries' currencies are, how, are valued at what, and they just be, they're able to arbitrarily set what should be a free market. We have never lived in a free market in decades. And to, if you say I'm anti-capitalism, then ask yourself, well, have you ever lived in a capitalist society? And the answer is no, you've never lived under the free market because you've lived under a system of unethical manipulated money your entire life because of what happened at Bretton Woods. Private entities control things. Mm -hmm. So just to back up for our listeners, to talk about Goodson's uh, book for a moment, um, 
this guy details, see the historical figures that are depicted there. He details how inflation has ruined uh, uh, millennia of uh, currencies. And we have never had a currency that has not been ruined by inflation besides the dollar and the pound. And these two are due for their fall very soon because of actions of our uh, central bank and so on, print, printing uh, the you know the money printing, the uh, the the expansion of the uh, the currency. It's just it's just crazy. I mean, these people, the central bankers, are the biggest financial criminals in history, as far as I can tell. But nobody seems to recognize it, do they? Yes. I mean, everything from um, you know Roman money. They there were people that took chips off of it, and it became progressively uh, devalued, and the the contents of it became progressively less uh, precious metals, and so on. Mm -hmm. So. So, um, so this basically is the Great Reset. Is that correct? Well, what, if you just if you can look at the lens of history, what Goodson did such a brilliant job of laying out in that book was just the cycles that central banking models go through, and eventually they have to collapse. They're, they they are an unsustainable way to try to rule and continue. There's never been an instance where they survived, and so people who understand the system they've built, who are profiting from it, who get their kicks on ruling over other people and having this inflated view of their own ego are understanding that the end of this model is coming and it's not something they can stop. So if you, are, you and I are playing a game of chess and I realize a couple of moves ahead of you that I can't win, the only way I could keep playing the game is bump the table, knock the pieces up. Oh, shoot, I guess let's, let's just start over. The Great Reset, is, as far as I can tell, is simply an attempt to reset the monetary system so the people in power can stay in power. And there's a, I, would, I would imagine there's a mix of a lot of different ideologies in there, but what I think they all have in common is an atheistic type of we are beholden to no one, or our religion says that we can do evil, sick things to people, and whether it's just avarice, just this uncontrolled greed that, that people have or whether it is some sort of worship there is a a willingness to do anything necessary to keep the power rather than let the markets reset itself rather than say be upfront with us and hey this is going to be an ugly crash and we're all going to have to go through it and let's let's talk like adults and figure it out they're attempting to shove us all into a reset and if if we knew that was what was coming we wouldn't sign up for that they have a gigantic marketing problem trying to get all of us to just be under their thumb where they can create a central bank digital currency. And then everything we do, like in China currently, where we're now attached to a social credit score. And if I buy too much of the wrong food, if I get spend too much money on gas, if I show up at the wrong location, my score goes down and my purchasing power goes down or I'm now controlled. That's their vision for the reset they want to do is put us all under their thumb keep us from owning anything and then they get to stay in power that's the big payoff we get to be serfs and they get to be the rulers and we don't own anything we just rent from them the rest okay. of our lives so i want i have to inject some evidence for that uh because it sounds far-fetched doesn't it um and the the fascinating thing about these people is none of their agenda is secret and mm -hmm. if you look look at the world economic forums website uh they have a video there with a nice young fellow claiming that he's gonna, going to own nothing and still be happy. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the World Economic Forum uh, last year or so put out their promotional video for what the world will look like by 2030. And it is the most 
dystopian, disgusting view. It's, it's laughable. It's almost like they're mocking us, telling us how the world's going to, this is what we're doing. Stop us if you can, is essentially the message. The first thing yeah. you just read, you yeah. won't own anything and you're going to love it. You'll be happy about it. And the next one is everything you own, you'll rent and it will be delivered by drone, which begs other questions. Like, who am I renting from and what's with the drones? Am I under house arrest? Like, and that's just one of several other, you won't, you'll eat much less meat. It's an occasional treat, kind of like having your donut or whatever, not a staple, but we're doing it for the good of the planet and the environment. The U.S. won't won't be the superpower anymore. Several countries will dominate. I mean, it's you if you you won't die waiting for a transplant. We'll just print a new organ for you, as if we're gonna like improve on nature and print organ. Like it's a transhumanist. There are so many disgusting elements in it, and it is they've told us the whole agenda, and they mapped it out with the Great Reset in breathtaking detail on their website. You can look at every single angle of what they're trying to do. They have accounted for every aspect of the economy and have a plan to adapt and keep us under their thumb and stay one step ahead of us the whole way. If we will just open our eyes and look at the playbook they've shown us and the plays they are calling, it is very easy to see what's happening and to opt out of it and throw sand in the gears of it and build parallel economies that keep us out of that mess. So to um, bring this back to uh, what some of our viewers will object to, um, there, there is... I've examined all this and I have no religious grounding. And I think it's uh, what Christian is saying is absolutely true. And you don't have to look at this through a religious angle to see the, the, the problems with it. Um, mm -hmm. The second uh, example besides China, which seems like a long ways away, is Canada and what they did to the freaking truckers. It, you know, they right. essentially took away their money because they had control of their financial system. And if mm -hmm. a central bank digital currency uh, was instituted anywhere, the central banks or the possibly the governments would have the ability to uh, steal the resources, take away the money of anyone they didn't uh, think was uh, obeying their agenda. And uh, as we've discussed, uh, Bitcoin might be an off-ramp, but it's not that big yet. It's a couple, you know, all of cryptocurrency is supposed to be two trillion and the world economic resources are in the hundreds of trillions. So um, this thing can't be controlled it's a decentralized network. There is some hope with Bitcoin, but as everyone probably knows, it's been flat for a year, you know, the, the value. So it's been predicted to rise, but uh, do you have any comments about that? Well, several, I guess I'll, I want to back up something you said earlier before I go to, to Bitcoin specifically, but um, whether or not you consider yourself a religious person, whether or not you think it is a viable category to have a satanic eugenics dystopian, whatever type of view of the world. It doesn't matter if you don't think that's a viable category. Some of the people puppeteering this do. That's what they believe, and it matters that they believe it. So um, that's the first thing I'll say. And then when it comes to the, to the question of Bitcoin or digital currency, there, my, my under awareness of Bitcoin came about after having studied the banking system, and I started to appreciate what it is for the problem it was trying to solve or is trying to solve. I think of any technology that we have invented that has the best chance of being what eventually replaces it. I think it is going to be aggressively attacked. I think it's going to be, um, they're gonna to attempt to regulate or outlaw or do whatever they can to make it difficult to use. But I don't know that that will be enough to stop it. The Federal Reserve Fed has actually admitted they can't stop it. And so Bitcoin is essentially a um, non-centralized, digital form of limited money. This is, it gets away from the problem of just continuing to make more system of money 
that anyone can have access to and we can have stored in our own little banks, our own digital wallets. And it can be a store of value and a means of transacting or a medium of exchange, if you will, that would allow us to get around or get outside the central banking system. So do I expect them to attack it? Yes. Do I know for sure that it is going to be able to take over? No, nobody does. Um, I think it would be silly not to have some level of investment in it. It doesn't need to be a lot but something just to give yourself options outside of that system. And does it go to the moon? Does it not? How long does it take? Those are all to be determined questions. But um, anyway, I can, are there more questions you or more things about Bitcoin or, or that central banking digital currency you'd like me to cover? Well, there's a lot of detail here and there are a lot of uh, personalities. And I think we could agree. And most of the listeners would agree that the, billionaires and the corporations have so much uh, influence and power now that uh, they any sort of immorality or what we would consider uh, anti-human uh, attitudes uh, mm -hmm. are, are accepted. And so, mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I don't know. There is some hope. And uh, definitely. Yeah. So the first thing is the COVID thing seems to be uh, dismantling. And the, I mean, about five weeks ago today, the whole thing seemed to reverse and the people in power seemed to realize that this thing was a loser and that the truth was coming out about it. The truths that I outlined mm -hmm. about the vaccine and basically the fact that COVID was easily treatable from a few months into the pandemic. And the, I mean, there, the, the huge conspiracy of tech titans and um, pharma companies and paid off politicians conspired to conceal the therapies, which would have prevented 85 or so percent of the uh, fatalities and the hospitalizations. So mm -hmm. that thing, um, that thing seems to be a loser, although they're still attempting to vaccinate people, quote, vaccinate people. I call it the clot shot because it creates so much thrombosis or, mm -hmm. you know, strokes and other kinds of problems like that. Um, but uh, so I, I, I think COVID is dismantling itself. And I think that we can uh, step up and, uh, and help that process. In Florida, just a, a week ago or five, six days ago, there was a... Uh, um, a panel discussion about how crazy it all was. And the only thing they could accomplish politically was not allowing the clot shots to be given to kids under five or something like that. It was uh, the youngest kids. But basically, I think everyone on the panel thought the whole thing was, uh, was a terrible hoax and a problem. Um, but uh, I'm curious about um, this uh, lawsuit that David Martin is uh, bringing in any at least one venue so far and the prospects about that and uh, how you see all that yeah so uh there's probably been no person that i know of maybe there's a few that have been just as on top of it but probably no person more on top of the criminal conspiracy that we're all living through than david martin and he has been studying the patent record he described himself as a locust eating prophet in the wilderness for the last 20 years trying to tell people if we look at the patent record, they're telling us exactly what they're trying to do here. And COVID for him was very easy to see coming. And so what he has put together is the entire criminal history of who the, the key actors are, which patents were filed, what things were said publicly. And he has finally gotten a um, lawsuit filed, I believe it's in Utah, um, against several of the major players. 
um, including the President of the United States, uh, Department of Health and Human Services, um, Javier Becerra named specifically, Joe Biden named uh, the Centers for Medicaid and Medicare Service. And so they are taking this court uh, or this case to court and the, this kind, this lawsuit and a few others like it have the potential to definitively unravel the entire COVID criminal conspiracy and to bring to light many of the bad actors. Do I think this will ultimately fix the banking system? No, I think this, if, if you understand the Great Reset, what you have to understand is it is a 10-year plan. They have meticulously planned this. COVID was kind of the kickoff party. And my awareness now is, or my assumption now is that Ukraine is the next distraction. And we're going to be hearing a lot about climate problems after this. And though the supply chains crashing was all actually part of and planned out in the Great Reset. So understand that even as COVID, to your point, unravels and continues to come to light of how crooked the whole thing was, um, this isn't all they have up their sleeve and they have more planned. And it is on us to stay aware of what the plan is and to look at the news headlines with discernment and say, if they've been lying to me for the last two years about COVID, why would they suddenly be telling me the truth about Ukraine, about anything else? And through asking tough questions and figuring out what the actual agenda here, what if you understand the high level of the economic model and the path to implosion that we're on, something's going to happen. We have the opportunity, like Joseph in the Bible, who's got the nation prepared for famine for seven years of plenty turned into seven years of famine. He had the time to get the nation ready to go through that. I think we have a similar opportunity in front of us to not only get ready for the coming um, economic crash, but to, to set ourselves up to thrive through it and to help as many people as possible when it gets here. But to know that we are up against a brutal enemy who really wants nothing more than to steal, kill, and destroy us. And so we should act accordingly. And so these lawsuits you're talking about are one example of doing just that, of attacking back against this monster. The more of these kind of things that come to light, the easier it will be to expose the deeper corruption that's really driving it. Christian, I'm grateful for your time, and I'm going to put links to your, um, uh, your, uh, the work you do, and I've reviewed it, and it sounds like you're trying to get people to thrive through all of this um, insanity. And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and, I, I won't ahead. give anybody bad news if I can't also give them hope, and so that's, that's a commitment I make when I write, when we build programs, when I have conversations. And so we are doing our best to build out a strategic, aggressive response of not only just reclaiming individual sovereignty and disentangling from this big tech control grid, but also building rich, robust, life-giving community that we've always wanted and creating those parallel economies that just eventually dissolve this into irrelevance. So yes, we are happy to be in the fight for freedom and um, human flourishing. Christian is fortunately in Florida, and I just visited him out of the blue in mm -hmm. Panama City, which is on the panhandle, and he lives in a fabulous place uh, where it's, they call it the free state of Florida, right? Yeah, it's pretty awesome. We don't take it for granted here. We have corrupt politicians in this state, just like every other one, and um, we are not sitting on the sidelines kicking our feet up because we have a decent governor. Christian, thank you so much for all the information, and uh, I, I, uh, I find it very credible. I'm hoping, like against hope, that David Martin can pull some of this out, and hopefully uh, we'll be able to destroy the credibility of the whole narrative. 
Me too. I stick, stay tuned. It's going to be a wild ride the next few years, but what an exciting time to be alive. So thank you for having me, Robert. Thank you.